Welcome back to the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. Hey, everybody. We're back. It's been a nice little break. Yeah. How long have we been gone? Uh, it's been over a month since we last released a new episode. I think we released one the very beginning of June. Mm. It feels like a good long while. I've missed it. I have too. I'm happy to be back. Me too. And welcome to all of our new listeners. We see you. We've seen you downloading episodes while we've been away, and that's been exciting. Very exciting. Side note, if you hear a little rain or a little thunder, a little lightning crash, it's raining. And as soon as we came upstairs, it just decided to... Well, not even when we came upstairs. I feel like the first word that came out of my mouth when we hit record, (laughs) the storm started. Jesus is not happy about this podcast. But we're here. We're not going to shut it down for a rainstorm. I wanted to. She wouldn't let me. No, I said I listen to podcasts where people are like, sorry about my dog barking in the background. So (laughs) a good call. (laughs) no shade to people that have dogs barking in the background of their podcast. But I'm just saying it's all right. You know, rain happens. It does. (laughs) Rain or Madonna. Feel it on the Hear it on the window pane. I haven't been able to sing on mic in so long. <laughs> I know you missed it. I always miss it. <laughs> All right. Oh, another side note. Oh, yeah. The format is going to change a little bit. It is. If you've been listening, you're familiar with us typically if we're doing movies, two movies per episode. Listen, we just have to <laughs> give ourselves a little more time in life. And we are just going to cover one movie per episode. Now, you'll still get two episodes per week. Yes, they just won't be as long. Total movie or show count will be the same as far as what we cover. Correct. They'll just be split up. Right. And we may not do as many of the shorter, what we used to call after school specials, the short and sweet episodes. We'll still throw them in, but they're probably not going to be there every week. Don't you take away my game shows. Oh, I want to still do game shows. Okay, good. They'll just be their own episode. They're my favorite. (laughs) They're a lot of fun. If you like our game shows, we do have a few over on our Patreon. There's a new one coming out soon. Very soon, yeah. And while we were on our break, we did release a few extra bonus episodes in our pilots on Patreon series. We did Beverly Hills 90210, Mm -hmm. Dawson's Creek. That was fun. So if you're a fan of those shows or a fan of us, go check those out. And if you want to see me laughing at Dawson on TikTok, (laughs) go check out our TikTok because... That is our biggest post over there. It is. That is the post that has performed the best. Yeah. Just your laugh looking at Dawson's ugly cry. Yeah, it was the most random thing ever. No other post has come close to that one. No. And speaking of TikTok and Patreon and all the other ways you can reach us. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash Fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at We Don't Want to Grow Up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon. 
which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcast and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. All right. So I figured that we would take it back old school. (laughs) Yeah, I was so excited when you mentioned this. I was like, oh, yes. You know, when we started out, it was really all about trying to capture that feeling of waking up on a Saturday morning, getting a big bowl of cereal, sitting in front of your TV, watching cartoons, all that good stuff. And we used to talk about cereals that we would fill our bowls up with. I actually thought we were going to do a cereal podcast. (laughs) (laughs) At the beginning? Yeah. Well, I was worried that's what it would become. Not worried, but it's like, I thought we were just going to talk about cereal. Oh, no, that was never my intent. Honestly, when I look at the cereals, there's a lot of them, but we would run out of content pretty quickly. We would. I mean, there's a finite amount of movies, but there's definitely a lower amount of cereals that we could talk about. Yeah, that's a little too niche for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the cereal that I chose is one that I don't think that I ever consumed. I may have because I feel like I did everything Cabbage Patch Kids for mm-hmm. a long time, but it is the Cabbage Patch cereal. It came out in 1985. It prided itself on being lower in sugar than most cereals that were geared towards kids at that time. I wonder how many grams of sugar were in there. Three. Three? Per serving? I believe. Wow. Hold on. Let me double check real quick. Yes. Three grams per serving. So do we have this cereal to blame for how they've ruined Count Chocula? (laughs) I don't know. That was still pretty early on. (laughs) And I don't think that this cereal lasted very long at all. Gotcha. Their ad would say it was one cereal both moms and kids can feel good about. And there were several different box covers and they would feature the Cabbage Patch dolls photographed in different positions and situations. So there would be dolls eating cereal. There would be dolls camping, swinging on a porch swing. And then I saw one earlier where two of the boy dolls were lifting weights and then a (laughs) bowl of cereal was next to them. Now, would this be actual photos or drawings? Photos. Oh, that's great. Of like dolls posed. (laughs) It's very, very 80s. And To top it all off, the cereal was kind of creepy because it was these little round faces (laughs) meant to look like the Cabbage Patch Kids. Right. It was a little bizarre. That is a little creepy. So I can see why it probably didn't last that long. You've got these, you know, you're eating these essentially baby doll faces (laughs) that don't taste good (laughs) because I can't imagine that they tasted very good if they only had three grams of sugar. I can picture like the boardroom sessions where they're planning this. (laughs) You know, everybody's really excited. Everybody puts in all that work and then they bring in the first cereal box and they pour it into a bowl and you see these terrifying doll heads (laughs) and they're like, oh, no. (laughs) I can't believe that they never did because I was thinking, you know, like, of course, they'll try to sell anything that kids love, put it in a cereal, you know, surprised they never did. I never saw a gem in the hologram cereal. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Or like, was there a He-Man and She-Ra cereal? I don't think so. Not that I ever saw. shocking to me. It is. When you really think about it. Huh. That's a good point. When you look at all the other kinds of cereals that they've done, I'm just surprised that they didn't try to capitalize on that a little more. Yeah, especially in like- G.I. Joe? Yeah, like year two of Gem was huge. Yeah. I'm also surprised they didn't have one. He-Man was huge. 
That's crazy. That's a good point. I wonder why they didn't. We don't want to over-commercialize this product. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that those three shows were actually created by the same people or same. I remember reading about that when we did Gem. So I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Are you going to go to the vice principal's office for that? We're going to find out. I may, but I do remember reading about that because that's where they they talked about how they would add in like the action stuff on Gem that would make it sort of appealing. So you're saying everyone it was made by the same people that did He-Man or G.I. Joe? I think both. I thought it was. But maybe not. Maybe they're not all the same. I did think it was by the people that did G.I. Joe. Yeah, that could be right. If I have to go to the VP's office, I'll go. Well, listen, I like that you're sticking your neck out there. Not ashamed. Go ahead. What's yours? Mine is also one that I didn't actually get to eat, but there's quite a few of mine that I didn't get to eat. I just wanted them really bad. (laughs) This is another one. It's the Nintendo cereal system. Oh, that's fun. So this came out in 88 and it was quickly discontinued in 89. (laughs) I feel like a lot of the ones we covered were discontinued really quickly. Yeah. The nerd cereal. Yeah, exactly. This was similar to the nerd cereal in that it had two compartments in there. Oh. So one side was uh, Super Mario. Yes. And the other side was Zelda. Both of them were fruit flavored, but uh, they also came with a sticker of a Nintendo character. And on the back panel, they had a whole set of 12 trading cards that you could collect. Wow. Called Nintendo Power Cards. Cereal was so fun as a kid, like finding your prize, yeah. looking at the back of the box, playing games on it, you know, like word searches and, you know, mazes and and then like things you could send off to win stuff. That was my newspaper during the week. Yes. That's what I read. Mm-hmm. I would sit there with the, like I would get upset if I didn't get to read the box while I ate my cereal. Yeah. Now I've grown up and I have to watch something. While I eat my cereal or food. He does. In general. Yep. <laughs> but that was the start of it. Last thing I'll say about that. That cereal has sold for over $200 on eBay. Wow. <laughs> so if you have a box, we're jealous. We're very jealous. Though that's not as expensive as the Ghostbuster cereal. Yeah, that was like 400 wasn't it? It was like 500 I think. That's crazy. It's a coming-of-age story, 1986. Directed by Rob Reiner and based on Stephen King's 1982 novella, The Body. And the title is from Ben E. King's song, Stand By Me. So yeah, we've got a story about four boys in 1959, Castle Rock, Oregon. They go on a hike to find the dead body of a missing boy. Pretty simple, Mm -hmm. but a lot of stuff happens along this journey. And it's so funny rewatching a movie like this that came out when I was six or seven years old. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really rewatched it since I watched it. But I remember it being impactful to me, but there are only like a few flashes of the movie that I actually remember. Right. I probably remembered it a little bit better than you did. It's not like I've watched this one on repeat, Mm -hmm. but I've seen it quite a few times. Yeah. It's also one that was impactful to me back then. As far as like certain scenes went, I don't know that I fully grasped everything that was going on in this movie. It's pretty serious. It is very serious. It's got heavy topics in it that I really didn't understand at nine. Yeah. I think when you're a child, movies like these, it's more just the feel of it, the friendships, you know, and the rest of it. Maybe feels a little scary, yeah. but you don't really get it. Right. You know, and so 
the takeaway from it is more just like it's a fun movie about kids, yeah. you know? Although definitely some uncomfortable things and some scary moments, but we'll talk more about that later. So this one starring Will Wheaton as Gordy Lachance. Gordy. Also, Richard Dreyfus plays the older Gordon as an adult, and he's also listed as the writer, the narrator. Mm-hmm. River Phoenix, who sadly passed away in 1993 as Chris Chambers. I loved him. Mm-hmm. Corey Feldman as Teddy Duchamp. Jerry O'Connell as Vern Tessio. Kiefer Sutherland as John Ace Merrill, who's the gang leader. Casey Samasco as Billy Tessio, who's one of the gang members and Vern's big brother. John Cusack as Dennis Denny Lachance, who's Gordy's big brother, who has passed away when we start the movie. Marshall Bell as Mr. Lachance. Francis Lee McCain as Mrs. Lachance. Gary Riley as Charlie Hogan, who's another gang member and Billy's best friend. Bradley Gregg as Richard Eyeball Chambers. He's also a gang member and Chris's big brother. Jason Oliver as Vince Desjardins, who is also another gang member. That is impressive that you know how to say Desjardins. Do you know someone with that name? Um, I feel like I've seen it in sports somewhere. Ah. Or I'm just amazing. One of the two. I'm going with number two. I want to add that I think it's Bradley Gregg, right, is the one that looks so much like Sean Astin. Yeah, we actually thought. It was Sean Astin. But then I was like, that doesn't make any sense because the Goonies came out like the next year or something Mm -hmm. like all or no, like right around the same time. Yeah. What is this? 86. Goonies was 85, right? 84, 85. I think 85. And actually in something that we watched today, Will Wheaton was talking about how they went to the Goonies premiere while they were filming Stand By Me. Okay. So, yeah, it's all around the same time. So it wouldn't have made sense for this guy to be Sean Astin because he looked like Sean Astin when Sean Astin was like 18. Right. Sean Astin was still young at this time. So anyway, lookalikes. So fun facts. We did find a lot of good interviews and commentaries and things like that to go along with this. So that really helped. I almost wish we had watched all of that before we watched the movie in a way. Yeah, same here. I think for this one in particular, it would have been cool to have that context uh-huh. before rewatching the movie. Yeah. But we did it in reverse. We did. So Kiefer Sutherland was on Jimmy Kimmel and shared this story about Jerry O'Connell, who was like 11 when he started the movie. So he was either 11 or 12 when this happened. But he- Jerry O'Connell reportedly tied his babysitter up to a banister <laughs> and escaped from where he was being kept. That sounds like something out of a movie. It does. But he went off to like a local fair. And I'm sure in his mind, he thought he was going to like a carnival. It turns out this was like a hippie fair. <laughs> but Jerry O'Connell bought some cookies from it and ate them. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and Kiefer says these cookies were laced with something. So they might have been like pot cookies or something else. They, <laughs> they eventually found Jerry disoriented, lost, and crying in a park. And they had to shut production down for two days Oh my god! while he recovered from all of that. Poor guy. (laughs) Poor little guy. (laughs) So the cigarettes that they smoked in the movie were actually filled with cabbage leaves. Yeah, and that was at the insistence of Rob Reiner, who was big about... Anti-smoking. Anti-smoking. Yes, I saw that. So Corey Feldman had quite a few firsts while filming this movie. Uh, He went to his first nightclub. He drank for the first time. He kissed a girl for the first time. He shot a music video for the first time, which was with River Phoenix. And he also had his first experience with drugs. 
Man. So this was like his actual coming of age. Yeah, he was 13. 13. I definitely, in listening to, there was a commentary with Rob Reiner, Corey Feldman, and Will Wheaton that I believe they just did recently. Yeah. It said 2021. I don't know if that's when it was actually filmed. But anyway, just hearing some of the stuff, especially that he and River would get into. Mm -hmm. You know, Will was saying he mostly was just like at the arcade. Right. (laughs) Being pretty innocent, you know. But it sounded like the two of them definitely. Well, River was a little bit older, too. A little bit, yeah. He was like two years older than them, I think, at least. They said he was 14 when they were filming. Some of these guys were 12 and turned 13, and I think River was 14 and turned 15. So this I thought was cute. Stand By Me is Rebecca Romaine's favorite movie of all time, and she had posters of it all over her room growing up. And she didn't tell Jerry about that. They'd been together for like three months, and one of her friends told him about that. (laughs) I love it. Although it's funny because I wonder if she was like in love with, you know, River or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably not. It probably in love wasn't with Jerry for Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew Jerry O'Connell would grow up to be such a good looking guy? But that is funny. That was another thing that they were talking about in that commentary was just how amazed everybody was that that kid grew up and married <laughs> Rebecca Romaine. Right. They were being pretty funny, <laughs> a little mean and pretty funny. So I kind of remember this. There were like rumors or urban legends that the leeches were real. Oh, I never heard that. I had back then. Yikes. But it's been confirmed. They're not. They were props. (laughs) Some facts about those leeches. Stephen King revealed that the scene with the leeches actually happened to him when he was a kid. So scary. Yeah. And Will Wheaton said that the rubber cement that they used to attach those leeches to them, they tinted it with this red coloring. And after the scene, they all tried to go to a water slide park and they wouldn't let them in because it looked like they had some kind of skin disease or issue. <laughs> oh my God. So they, they missed out on the water park. That's hilarious. I would love for the people that wouldn't let them in to then watch the movie and see why they have those marks yeah. on their bodies. I understand better safe than sorry, but that's funny. I wonder if anybody noticed that that worked at the park. They had to have somebody. I mean, that is such a huge movie. They had like, do, to have do you seen it. Those kids that were here with the red marks on them. Is that them? I mean, maybe they never put two and two together, but I feel like where they were filming is probably a place that not a lot of movies were filmed. Yeah. And so usually people are aware if there's a big movie being filmed in your area. Right. Exactly. You know, so the deer in the scene with Gordy slash Will Wheaton wouldn't leave when the scene was supposed to end. Hmm. So they had to bang stuff together. And, like, make a bunch of noise to get it to leave. Yeah, it's funny. Like, that scene is so peaceful and serene. But they cut the audio because there's, like, people banging pots around (laughs) and making all this noise to try to get this deer to leave. So it's also reported that the boys were getting a little rowdy in the hotel. I saw a little bit about this. They took all the poolside furniture and put it in the pool. (laughs) Now, they said they placed it in the pool like it was in a room, like at the bottom of the pool. (laughs) And like set it up so you could like, you know, sit there and have a drink inside of the pool. That's funny. And Will Wheaton would mess with the arcade games that were in the lobby so they could play for free. And River Phoenix, who was, of course, spurred on by the other boys, covered a car in mud. But what he didn't realize was that it was Kiefer Sutherland's car. Oh, my God. I saw (laughs) that they were like terrified of him. Yes. So you got to think about like River's got to be like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Oh, no. 
And he didn't know about it until Kiefer confronted him about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Later <laughs> I on. I can imagine his face. <laughs> In the scene where Gordy and Chris race each other through the junkyard, Will was faster than River. So Will had to fake his fast run when he was running slow so yeah. that River's character would win. Yeah, and this was something I noticed when we watched it this time. I was like, why is Will running so weirdly? <laughs> and now it makes a little bit more sense. So during the Barfarama scene, one of the child extras actually threw up after seeing all the carnage oh, that was going on. Oh, they just on. couldn't couldn't deal. Couldn't deal with it. Sometimes you can't. Even watching a movie, you know it's fake. Yeah. Like, when we watched this, I was having to remind myself, like, this is not real. It's okay. I looked away. Because some shows that we watch, some reality shows, they love to show people throwing up, they like, do. competition shows and stuff. In like slow motion. Like, challenge yes. that we have covered on this podcast. We fast forward through those scenes. So, this one, at least we know it's fake, but it was still difficult. So, poor kid. We probably fast forward through it because of how much I ate cereal and read the box, I like to eat while we're watching challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but even if we're not eating, it's, still gross. it's gross. It is gross. So speaking of Kiefer scaring the boys, I think a lot of it was because he would stay in character and pick on them. <laughs> so I know several of them have mentioned that they were super terrified of him. Yeah. I can remember being terrified of Kiefer Sutherland as well. Yeah. Between that and the Lost Boys. Right. Forget it. It took a long time for me to trust him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it took 24 for me to trust him. What was the TV show that I watched? I liked him. Well, I, I guess I loved Kiefer in. I saw him in Young Guns. Yes. But there's a show that was on like later on, you know, probably mid 2000s. that was so good. And I don't think you ever watched it. It was called Touch. Touch. And it was on like 2012 to 2013. I think there were two seasons. Yeah. It was so good. So like thought-provoking, and it would give me chills and just different, really? very unique. I wish it had lasted longer. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It was really good. I hmm. would love to rewatch that if you ever want to watch it. Maybe we'll give it a try. In all our spare time. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen King's original story reveals what happens to Teddy and Vern later on in life. Yeah. I didn't realize that this was actually based on Stephen King's life with his friends. Yeah. Teddy is killed in a car crash. And Vern died in a house fire. So all three of his friends actually died. Yeah. But Rob Reiner didn't want to include it in the film. He thought it was... Too much. Like, too much for the ending. Yeah. Like it was impactful for Chris to have died at that point, I think. Right. And also very haunting, you know, now. Yeah. Knowing that River is the one that has passed away and not right. too long after this. Yeah, it was like six years or so. Something yeah. Like that. Seven. So... So sad. He was so talented. Yeah. It was sad to listen to them talk about him, you know, in the commentary. Mm -hmm. Actually, there was a part where Corey was talking about, you know, because both of them had their struggles with drugs and yeah. Corey had just gotten sober at one point and had run into River somewhere mm. and had or maybe he called him something like that. And he was wanting to get together with him because in his mind he was like. I'm going to help you out. Yeah. Like he could tell like he was not in a good place and all of that. But when River called him, he was off somewhere filming a movie. Yeah. And so then by the time that he could, what he said was someone got in the way of us seeing each other. I really? don't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. But then he said it was not even a year later that River that happened. passed away. Yeah. That's awful. And so he's like, I'll never forgive yeah. myself for that. But I'm like, you can't blame yourself. But I understand why he 
feels that way. Right. You know, Rob Reiner was saying, like, you couldn't have done anything. But Corey's like, well, I'm coming from a place of the experience of having gone through getting sober and all of that. So I could have maybe. Yeah, maybe it would have been a different voice that River would have listened to. But again, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, he can't, like you said, you can't blame yourself for that. No, that's the thing in life. You know, it's like you can't dwell on that kind of thing, although it's hard. Yeah, it's difficult not to. Well, on a lighter note. (sighs) So Sean Astin, Stephen Dorff, and Ethan Hawke were all considered for the role of Gordy. Wow. I could see all three of them in that role. I mean, Will did it perfectly, but, you know, I guess it's just because of that time period and those guys, you know. It's funny that it's Sean Astin as well. I know. Speaking of Sean Astin, he also auditioned for the role of Chris, but River did his audition right before him. And so when Sean walked into the room, he said that he knew he had no chance because he saw that the filmmakers and whoever else was in there were all like choked up and holding back tears. And so he knew (laughs) that River had nailed his audition. He's like, yeah, I'm done. So River, Corey, and Will all made appearances on something else we covered, Family Ties. That is so wild to me, though, that in all of our watching of Family Ties, now, mind you, we tried really hard not to watch all of the episodes, but Mm -hmm. we watched a lot and definitely watched some of every season. We never came across any of them. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So interesting. Just unlucky. I think anyone that watches Stranger Things would not be surprised to know that the creators are big fans of the movie, along with the Goonies. They both have that feel, you know? Right. So on Stranger Things, they paid homage to Stand By Me with their version of the kids walking down the train tracks and it's filmed like in a similar way. Yeah. I can remember that scene. And it does evoke thoughts of Stand By Me. That's pretty funny. And also ironic in that Will Wheaton in this movie really favors. 11 on Stranger Things. Yes, that's a good point. When she has her hair cut short, obviously I haven't seen Stand By Me since I watched Stranger Things. So going back and watching Stand By Me, several times I had a really hard time not thinking about how much he looks like Millie Bobby Brown Yeah, (laughs) when he was a kid. (laughs) The last fact, completely unrelated. Rob Reiner played Archie Bunker's son-in-law, Michael Stivick, who was called Meathead. Okay. Rob Reiner, of course, directed this movie. Yes. My grandfather's nickname was Archie, and my dad's nickname was Meathead. (gasps) What? How about it? How about that? Did you tell him? It is the Twilight Zone. Crazy, right? You have to tell your dad about that. Yeah, I'll have to let him know. All right, well, what are your favorite moments from this film? Okay, number one, I really like the campfire scene where they're, you know, it's nighttime and, you know, they're halfway on their journey. And it's just bouncing around between the boys, just chatting about random things that 12-year-old boys would be chatting about back then. I know one of them was the discussion of what animal Goofy is, which sparked conversations between us about (laughs) that. It did us. It did for us, yeah. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Number two, the flashback scenes with Denny, Gordy's Mm. brother who had passed away. Yeah. When you see that Gordy's parents don't really see Gordy. Yeah. Previously, you think that it's just because his brother has died and they're just sad and they don't have anything left to give kind of thing. But when you see the flashbacks, you see that they still didn't see Gordy even when his brother was alive. Yeah, that's a very impactful part of that movie. It is. And I mean, not like I like this because of that, but, you know, there's a scene where they're having dinner and 
Gordy would try to talk, but his parents just want to talk about Denny's football right. career or whatever. Gordy's just a... <laughs> He's an afterthought. He's an afterthought. And so it was nice to see that Denny could see that his parents didn't see his little brother. And he made a point to make sure that he felt seen right. and heard. And so he would stop talking to his parents and he would try to make them notice. But when they still didn't, he just spoke to Gordy. He just was a really great big brother. And that just makes it even more sad that he has died because now Gordy's alone and he's with these parents who still don't see him. Yeah, that's where he got his love from was his brother. Absolutely. And he lost all of that. And then number three, basically like the last line of the movie or close to it. When we see that older Gordy is sitting in his office and writing, I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? There's just something about that that it's just a nostalgic feeling. And it's like, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily true for me, but in a way, yeah. You know, it's just a different feeling than friends that you had when you were kids. Like, Yeah, because life is so different at that time. Your friendships are different. Right. And you don't think about the kind of things that you think about now right when you think about your friendships and you didn't have as many requirements then as you do now and right i don't know it was just definitely a different time to experience anything but especially when you're watching this movie it just really hits home and knowing that his best friend had died and you see his his son and his son's friend yeah come up and they're like wanting to go somewhere and you think for a minute that he's going to just keep working and not go pay attention to his kid but then he He goes. And so you see that he's broken the cycle. Yeah, he's out there like playing in the front lawn with them as they're they're headed to whatever they had planned to do. Yeah, he's an attentive father, unlike what his dad was. Yeah. And then an HM, just the emotional scenes between Chris and Gordy. Oh, yeah. There's two big ones. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to see young boys from that era, you know, being emotional and expressing how they're feeling, letting their guards down. I don't know. It's not something that you would see. Very often. Right. Really in anything, maybe not even just that era, but it was impactful. And watching it as an adult, it still made me emotional, probably more so as an adult. Mm -hmm. And those performances by River and Will were outstanding. They were. And it goes to show like how good of a director Rob Reiner is. Yes. um, And how great of an actor both River and Will, uh, you know, River was and Will is. But um there's a lot of stories about how Rob helped River produce that scene. River did it himself. Yes. But uh, yeah, he, he was definitely him. helped him through that process. Because I think he was struggling and he told him to think about a time where he felt that an adult should have stood up for him. Right. And let know? him down. And they let him down. It's like, you don't even have to tell me what it is. But if you have that, think about that. And that's what he did. And Will even said that when River left, and then he, he came back. He was a totally different person when he came back. Yeah, he was like, I, I didn't really know what to do with it. Like his energy, his emotions, everything was different. Mm-hmm. And then he produced that scene, which is a very memorable scene. Yeah. So it's interesting to see everything that went into it as far as creating something so memorable. Yeah, I'm really glad that we learned more about that. Yeah, me too. All right, those are mine. What are yours? Tell me the one that I was going to pick, but you stole. Yeah, number one. <laughs> The leeches scene. Of course, it's going to be the leeches scene, and it's mine. I wanted the leeches scene. The reason I wanted it is because it's pretty much the only scene that I really remembered 
from the movie <laughs> until we watched it. When so, I think about Stand By Me, I think about the leeches scene. Yeah. But for me, it made me think it's like quicksand, you yeah. know, in the 80s. Yes. It's like it made me think that leeches <laughs> on my skin were going to be a way bigger thing in my life. Yes. Than what they have been. <laughs> that is so true. I definitely thought anytime I was going to get into any kind of body of water, that was going to happen. Yeah. Have you ever been in a body of water like that? I mean, listen, they were in a man-made pond, but it, have you ever been in what that body of water was supposed to be? No. I have, and I didn't get leeches on me. Well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. But the way that that scene ends was and is so amazingly terrifying. Yeah. From a boy's and guy's standpoint. Yes. Like, where that leech is yeah. and what has to happen yeah. is nightmare fuel. Yeah. So I, I will never forget that scene. So I just think it's so well done. I'm glad you let me have that scene. Uh, you're welcome. It. <laughs> Although it drives me crazy that Gordy is the only one that looks in his underwear. Like yeah. nobody else does. And you would think that that'd be the first thing they do if they saw that he had that problem. That would have been a good addition to the scene of Gordy looking down there and getting terrified and, le and letting everybody know that there's one there and then everybody else checks yes. real quick. Yeah. Then it's back to Gordy I think it's he's odd. the only one. Just one of those things I wish they had put in there. Way to go, Rob Reiner. <laughs> <laughs> Number two for me, that scene where Ace and his gang are racing Vince and his gang. That scared the crap out of me as a child. But Kiefer just looks like a legit psychopath in that scene <laughs> he does. where you know the the truck is coming and he never flinches you know they're playing a game of chicken essentially with yeah. that that huge truck and it, it just that always stuck with me it's, it, it's well done by Kiefer. kind of parallel with Corey feldman's part where yeah he's with the train on the train yeah. tracks yeah they're both psychopaths <laughs> number three the scene up in the treehouse at the beginning of the movie yeah that's fun it's just like 13 year old boys doing their thing and it just felt so real and natural like that's how it would have been then and you know when i would hang out with my friends 25 years later that's how it was you know in, in a more modern time at that point right so it was just a really well done scene and i always wanted a treehouse like that and i never had one yeah same here so my hm the line that they say we talked all into the night the kind of talk that feels important until you discover girls it's just so very true for that age and time. Yes. You're in a sleepover with a friend. You have these deep conversations. They're so important and they're a big part of growing up and building these friendships. But then everything changes when yes, <laughs> girls so or true. boys yeah. come into the, the picture. But I didn't, of course, notice that line at that age. Right. But I did notice it this time. I was like, oh, that is such a good line. Mm -hmm. It is. Next up for me, Kiefer Sutherland in pretty much any scene he was in was just incredible. He's just the embodiment of a dangerous badass. That's true. He's such a perfect casting for that movie, and he's such a great actor. Finally for me, the tensions that start when they find the body and Ace and his crew show up. Mm -hmm. Like that whole section of the movie is so tense and well done. And when Gordy pulls the gun out, I mean... It's terrifying. Yeah. There's not a lot happening, but it's a really scary part of that movie. And it's really impactful, and I like it. I like it, too. Supposedly, Stephen King wrote it where it was Chris that held the gun. Yeah. And they decided to change it to Gordy because this had been really his journey. Yeah. 
and it was like a big pivotal moment. He was really emotional finding the body because it just triggered his feelings about his brother because he had never cried at his brother's funeral and all that kind of stuff. So he was just really worked up at that point anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think they made the right choice. And Stephen King even said to them that they made the right choice. And he didn't know why he didn't think of that. He's like, it's so obvious it should have been Gordy this whole time Mm -hmm. that pulled the gun. So well done on, on Rob Reiner's part there and the writers. I asked you this when we watched it, but I'm just curious if you have anything more to add. Did you relate to this story? You know, it's a story of like these boys growing up. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know it's a different time period, but just curious. Absolutely. Like having a small group of friends where everybody is so different, you know, but you're all still incredibly close. Right. That's like the most relatable part of the story to me. It's like what they do is arbitrary. Because we all go on our own adventures. That was their adventure. I had that group of friends where we'd go on our own adventures. But it was cool to see that it's like people, you know, they don't necessarily like play a role in the group, but they're all their own little person. Yeah. And they're so different from each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that part was big for me. And then also like the adventuring that they did. That was my reality. Now, I wouldn't go as far as they would go. And it was generally done by myself. Right. But, you know, I would go off on these adventures in the woods. I would do dangerous things where maybe I should have died. Uh, And my parents were never aware (laughs) of what I was doing. (laughs) And finally, I'd say like the way that they would talk to each other, the banter between the boys just felt natural. Like that's how it would go. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like a lot of the work that they talked about doing before they shot the movie to, you know, get close to each other and yes. be comfortable with each other mm-hmm. really helped because it felt natural. That's what my friendships felt like. Absolutely. Like you never could have told me that those guys weren't friends in real life. Exactly. I will say this one, I didn't really relate to a lot of it mm-hmm. other than just having friends, but I never really did anything that dangerous yeah. as a kid. I mean, I always think of the movie fondly, but yeah. Wasn't one that I super related to. But the one that we're going to cover next is a similar movie, but it is something that's a little more relatable to me. It's a bit of you. It's a bit of me. It's a bit of me. So we haven't talked about toys in a while. Yeah. And I asked you if you had any toys to talk about. And the sad story is that you don't. Well, not yet. You're saving one. I am. I've had a few for a while. But we just haven't talked about toys on the podcast. So I couldn't talk about these. So this one I definitely had as a child. It is a Hot Looks doll. And her name is Stacy. But Stacy with an E. Stacy with an E. And she is huge. She is huge. She is very tall. Like, I didn't remember her being this big. So when I got the box, I was like, what is that? I feel like that's at least... 24 inches, if not taller. She's very tall. These came out in 87, I believe. And all the Hot Lux dolls would have like mix and match fashions. Oh, so they come with extra outfits in there? They don't come with them, but you can purchase them. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. The dolls are also posable. So right now she's got one arm up and one arm down and then one leg is crossed behind the other. She got a lot of attitude right now. Got a lot of attitude. (laughs) If you look at the back... Super cool models with the hot fashion look. And let's see. Oh, spotlight on Stacy. She's got like a little all about me here. The party girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's from the USA. She says, I just want to have fun. Her favorite colors 
Super hot colors, they're the attention getters. What does that mean? Super hot colors. Well, like she's wearing like red. Yeah, and yellow, green. green, like primary colors. Yeah, I feel like super hot colors would be like pink and purple and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Her hobby is going to parties. <laughs> 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 Says what's best about being a model? Meeting interesting people. And her ambition was to be a music video VJ. Really? Yeah. Wow. There are four other looks that you could purchase, and they have them all here. And then there are other models, so you can collect them all. I remember some of these. So there was Mimi, the romantic one, Elkie, the athletic one, Chelsea, the adventurous one, and Zizi, the creative one. So there they are. One of them has crimped hair. What is know. on her utility belt? I feel like she has a Batman-level utility belt, and she's got, like, some yellow scissors. It looks like a wrench, but I don't think yeah, it's a wrench. wrench. I think it's just her belt, like, ah. being fashionable, but it definitely looks like a wrench. She's a party girl, so it's not like she's... She's not, like, doing know, work. working on a car right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't she's know. got some big old hoop earrings and some... There's a big yellow headband on her head, like a bow. Yeah. I don't know. She's pretty great. But I will take some photos of her to share. I was very excited to find her. I don't think I ever had a toy that was that big. <laughs> I'm a little jealous of that. I did have dolls that were bigger, but not ones that kind of looked like a Barbie doll. Yeah. But we're, were just really big. Right. This one's cool because it's poseable and that big. Yeah. Hmm. She's great. Nice job. Very excited to find her. And in very good condition as well. Yeah. She's new in the box. Nice. Love to see it. So that's it for our first episode back. It was a lot of fun. As always. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at we don't want to grow up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there so if there is please do so those numbers do matter so if you could do that we would really appreciate it also you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers we'll see you next time we'll see you bye bye